Hey guys, welcome to My Sister Made Me View It. Uh, real quick before we start today's recording, I just want to let you guys know there were some weird issues with some of our recording equipment while we were doing this episode. Um, about half the episode, the first half has these random clicks and pops all the way through it. Uh, we weren't able to figure out what had caused it. We ended up having to pause it partway through for something else. And then when we came back and restarted, we didn't have an issue. So if you can just get through those clicks and pops, I promise you the sound quality does improve. And again, thank you for your patience while we're learning this. This is the first podcast we've ever done. I bet you couldn't tell. Uh, <laughs> anyways, we're really glad you're back. So without further ado, here is My Sister Made Me View It. made me view it. We are watching Roswell, the OG Roswell, um, and I've seen most of the series. Megan hasn't seen any, and so we're just watching it together because it's fun. I'm cranky Oh, this was a cliffhanger episode. <laughs> and she wasn't prepared what we, at all. What we say is, Hi, my name is Emily, but I should be working on my book. And then I say, <laughs> hi, my name is Megan. We did this two hours ago. <laughs> so long ago. I gotta start writing this down. Sorry, guys. Anyways, so we just watched. No, do it! Oh! <laughs> okay. Hi, my name is Emily, and I should be working on my book. Hi, my name is Megan, and I should be drawing storyboards. But... We're making a podcast. We're making a podcast. Instead. Instead. So we just watched Roswell season one, episode six. It's called 285 South or 285 South. Whatever you want to talk about. Um, Yes. Megan, do you want to start us off with what happens? Um, So this episode has everything. (laughs) (laughs) It has a super nookie motel room. <laughs> it's got a road trip. It's got a, oh no, there's only one bed. It's got friendship. And it has so many personal questions. And also Julie Benz kicked higher than her head. <laughs> Alrighty. I screamed a lot in this episode. You did! But they were good screams. There was... Oh, oh, this episode also has more teachers being inappropriate with <laughs> At least three times. At least three times. <laughs> inappropriate. So, let's get us started. Let's get us started. So, the episode opens up with Michael breaking into the UFO center. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Literally. Okay, so normally we watch the episode and then there's like a few days pass before we record. We just recorded for episode five, and then we watched episode six, and we're instantly recording for episode six. And I'm already, like, so caught up in the back half of this episode that I forgot how it opened. But, (laughs) yeah, Michael's in the UFO Center, and he's going to the secret ufologists-only area. And it was very funny, because I'm like, that's where the one where the museum sleeps. He's going to be asleep in there. And he was, but 
since Michael didn't see him right away, that when his head popped up in screen, I'm like, is that a mannequin? No! (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Michael doesn't... uh, What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to, like, stake out. He didn't do his stake out properly. Yeah. Um, And also, he didn't ask Max to do it for him. Although, to be fair... Max does not listen to Michael. Max has not been very supportive lately. No one has. So, Michael wants answers, and he snuck in, and he goes in and types the name of the author of the book. Which is Authorson. No. Alterton. Oh, sorry. Authorton. No. Alterton. Authorton. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, he types in the name, gets a few pages, starts printing them out, realizes in the middle of the print job that uh max's boss is sitting there asleep and the printer is real noisy because it's one of those that's for page two (laughs) (laughs) anyway so of course the guy wakes up and he atherton atherton that's what i said you said Alfred. I did. Sorry. So Max's boss wakes up and he goes after Michael with a model rocket like he's going to stab him. He like it. jabs at him like, get out of here. And Michael's like, eh, it's a mistake. He turns to run out the door. The deputy is there with a gun pointed at Michael. But he, okay, we're going to talk a little bit about gun safety. <laughs> okay, one. Ridiculous. Don't just point your gun. Don't don't point your gun at people. Like, and here's the other thing. There's a narrow staircase, and the owner of the museum is standing directly behind Michael, which means he's also in the line of fire. So you have your supposed perpetrator and your victim in the same line of fire. Terrible. Also, if you're a police officer, you're supposed to announce your presence before you bring your gun to bear. And I... I've tried to pause it, but it looks like he has his finger on the trigger. If you have... This is gun safety. Probably not 101, but it's a gun safety tip. I would say finger <laughs> off the trigger would be 101. <laughs> if you put your finger in the trigger well, it means you're going to shoot. Like, yeah. I, I've had friends in the army, and they we've talked about this at length before, but... Because we both like to write books, and so we ask our friends a lot of questions. (laughs) So you leave your finger straight out, but once you curl it, even, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not touching the trigger. No, if it's in the trigger well, you're going to shoot. Like, that's the decision you've made. So not no gun safety in Roswell, apparently. People leave guns plastered all over the walls in their homes. (laughs) Liz did get shot in the first (laughs) episode. Over a cafe argument. Anyway, we give this we give this show an F for gun safety. <laughs> um, here's my question: How did the deputy know there was a break-in happening? I am going to imagine that he saw Michael break in again. Okay, Michael is not sense. as sneaky or crafty as he he thinks he is. So okay. Anyways, so that's the opening of the scene and we we come into i'm guessing it's a it's either a writing or a history class it's history history um liz has a really cool little thing about um because they're they're going to be interviewing each other and asking specific questions that yes real fast go ahead the teacher's droning on about his assignment of or like the lecture of the day Liz and Max are like giving cow eyes and mooning <laughs> over each other. And then Kyle is casting longing glances at Liz as well. Right. 
and the, the guy's talking about historians. It's the job of historians to unearth things. And Liz talks about in her diary voiceover um, how weird it must be for Max and Michael and Isabel to not know their own history and how dangerous it would be if somebody else found it first. Yeah. So. Well, then the teacher's like, I have a special assignment. He's paired up everybody in the class and you're going to interview each other and write a, an oral history on your assignment partner. That that part's fine. I think that's I think that's kind of fun. Uh, I think it's kind of inconvenient that the that the assignment is due the very next day. I mean, if if I wanted you to interview someone and then write a paper on it, I'd give you a few days on it. But yeah. like. Listen, I get it. It's it's for story purposes. Well, Maria's flipping through this packet, and she's like, some of these questions are personal? And the teacher's like, history's personal. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, I mean, that's a little inappropriate. And then he has, uh, he's assigned out the partners as well. And so this is when I was first yelling, like, okay. Literally inappropriate. They say it in the this. Do they say inappropriate in the show, or does just just say private? I think she Person. says they're personal. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, inappropriate for a teacher to be like, I would like this personal information on each of you, and I'm deciding who's going to be paired up with who. Yeah, and not only that, but Maria's like, okay, my partner, because Maria gets paired up with Michael, yep. and she's like, he's not even here. <laughs> what like and the teacher doesn't say that she can have an extension or like say she can pair up with someone else he's like you're gonna have to go out into the field and do field work yeah. um but something like really real amazing that happened. <laughs> so both max and isabelle are in this class and as the teacher's reading up partners he's like evans is with parker and I'm like, haha, it's the wrong Evans. She's really going to be with Isabel. And he's like, that's I, Evans. And I'm like, I knew it. <laughs> um, but then, shock and surprise, Max gets partnered up with Kyle. And this is going to be like, well, they are not excited about this at all. At all. All the partners get partnered up. And everyone's, you know, leaving class and complaining about this obviously hellacious assignment. And then we get a scene where, um, Miss Sapolsky is talking to the historian teacher, the history teacher. And he's like, thanks for your help in writing this assignment. And then she goes, did you pair up your students the way I suggested? And he's like, oh, yes. And I'm like... I have zero doubt that real teachers would do this to, like, get under their student's skin and stuff. But I'm adding it to the inappropriate tally. <laughs> we got to start keeping an inappropriate tally. <laughs> oh, but we know Miss Topolsky's working for the Fibby. So, yeah, she has ulterior motives, and uh, it's not great. So we find out uh, during that time Michael has received a phone call from the office <laughs> it's michael using his one phone call from jail to call him to come bail him out of the situation he's gotten himself into max received a phone call did from i the say office. dang nabbit sorry guys she's made me do she's she's turned me into this do you know what's easy what all the different names in way of kings you never mix up kaladin with shallan do you 
Because now I might. <laughs> so Max comes to bail Michael out, and and uh, Max shows up, and his boss is there, and his boss is real like thrown off because someone broke into his office, and you know stole stuff. They bring out Michael, who claims Max sent him in the first place. And Max's sweet boss is like, oh, no, you're a hoodlum. Max doesn't associate with those sort of people. Like, he has Max in such a high regard. And uh, and and they have to, Max comes up with a story on the spot about, like, oh, I forgot something. And he needed to go. And he, he I sent Michael to go get it. And Michael's like, Research but I lost the keys. Yeah, Michael's like, I lost the keys. That's why I, that's why I broke in. It's all very legit. Ha, ha, ha. And. And Max is very, you know, like, I'll pay for any damages. We'll work it out. And his boss is like, okay. Like, like you can just tell this is not, this is not the way he pictured things going. <laughs> so. Yeah. Like, Max is rightfully angry at Michael. Yeah. Rightfully yeah. so. And Michael's like, I was trying to do him a favor. Yeah. And Max pulls Michael aside and is like, don't do me any more favors. Like, there's... There's tension between these boys. Yeah. And like, listen, I get I get from both sides where they're coming from because this is a huge violation of Max's personal life that Michael like went into his job and, and you know, was stealing this information. But at the same time, the reason Michael did not ask him first is no one listens to Michael. Yeah. Except Liz. Yep. And they're secret friends now. Yeah. Due to him being the one that stole her diary. And the reason that Michael and Maria are having such sparks fly right now is the writers realize that he and Liz are just getting along too well. And they're like, we got to write him into a different relationship. Because the stuff that Michael stole went into evidence, the sheriff gets a hold of it and um, gets the pages that Michael printed off. Um, So he knows. He knows at least what Michael was after. Um... And Michael's like, hey, you guys, I'm tired of waiting. You guys have this perfect life. He's talking to Isabel and Max and kind of stating the things he's he's kind of alluded to the, mm-hmm. the whole series so far. But he just comes out and says it where he's just like, you guys have a perfect life. I'm I'm out of here. I'm, you know, and he wants to borrow the keys to the Jeep. And they they're like, no, let's wait a little while and, and, and let's find out more and let's do research. And Michael's like, I'm tired of waiting. He's like, I'm connected to, he's just very upset, which is totally understandable because I'm so glad stuff finally happens in this episode. Yeah. We've had five episodes that have been like kind of about emotions and getting us all on the same page about, you know, how we feel about the aliens. Like we had an episode with Maria coming to grips to it and Liz coming to grips to it. And, and this is like the first time actual plot plot I feel is really happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, they do a really good job because it doesn't feel rushed either. It's kind of like everything's kind of like built, 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 built. And now a lot of things are ready to be kicked off with relationship wise and, and, you know, mystery wise and, Mm -hmm. and inappropriate wise. (laughs) And at this point, I'm like, okay, so he and Maria are partnered up for this thing. He and Maria are going to go on this road trip together, right? Real quick, I have a note. It says, M guesses M and M go to Texas. And I go, which M's? (laughs) That was for Michael and Maria. Yeah. And yeah, he just asks her for a ride to the gas station where she's dropping off something her mom has made for a customer. 
and we don't know what's in the box. What's in that box? <laughs> we don't know yet, but he's like, oh, that's the gas station by the highway. So they're going to head out there well so that Maria can at least ask some questions. I think if she didn't have this, I don't know that she would have given him a ride. Agreed. Just because they're not that close. Yeah. Well, we cut to a very this weird... is such a good scene. Distanced double date. Such a good scene. Because we have Max and Kyle at a booth asking each other these questions. And hating each other. Hating each other. I think Max is doing a little better of, like, like conceal, don't feel mm-hmm. sort of a thing. And Kyle's just kind of like, this is the... This is stupid. This is stupid. And I hate this. And I hate it. So some of the questions throughout the whole... But... Go ahead. And then at the counter, mm-hmm. you have Isabel and Liz also asking questions. And Liz isn't really paying attention to Isabel. She's she's pretty focused on her ex with Boys. her not real boyfriend who are having to have this deep heart-to-heart that they definitely don't want to do. Um, throughout, we find out more questions, but throughout the, throughout the episode, some of the questions that Miss Topolsky obviously came up with... What's your favorite ice cream flavor? What's your favorite TV show? What's your favorite book? Um, and then it gets a little more personal. Like, have you ever been in love? What are you afraid of? And who do you envy? What was your happiest moment? What's your happiest memory? Happiest memory. That's right. And uh, it's interesting. We don't get everyone's answers, but we get some insight into the characters. And I think that's a really smart way of learning about characters really fast without it feeling very info dumpy or like you're being spoon fed stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a really great plot. I agree. Also, the best thing that ever happened to Kyle was he placed first in the junior rifles national division, (laughs) which is he's looking at, he's just looking at Max while he says it and his eyes say, so I could shoot you. (laughs) I live in a town with zero gun safety laws. It could happen. I've got a lot of guns at my house, but There's Max so doesn't guns. know that, even though he does, because he yeah. broke into Kyle's house. Um, yeah, he's really sarcastic. Kyle's like, ooh, what's the best thing that's ever happened to you? And um, Max looks over at Liz, but then he's like, well, I guess I guess getting adopted. <laughs> Kyle's just like, oh, touching. Like, I'm going to shed a tear. He's so, it's, listen, I'm just going to say it again. All these, all these actors are great at character moments. Mm-hmm. They're just great. Uh, <laughs> we find out something about Liz, and I think it's super funny. Her, because. because her favorite flavor, Isabel finds out that Liz's favorite flavor is vanilla, which I think is such a boring flavor. And Megan and I have had this conversation before because... I like vanilla ice cream, okay? <laughs> she just eats plain vanilla. But there's nothing... I eat other ice creams, too. I just... <laughs> I don't know what's so funny. <laughs> Listen, I have a... I have a odd palate. Yes. I like to put... Vanilla ice cream on my cheese pizza. <laughs> I don't like to do that with my chocolate ice cream or Reese cups or moose tracks or mint. Ew, gross. Could you imagine mint ice cream on pizza? Disgusting. But I, I like plain vanilla ice cream. I like vanilla milkshakes. 
It's a sweet, simple dessert. Listen, I like more delicious, complex desserts as well. But I just, I just want something sweet. I just want something simple. And you know what? Vanilla milkshakes. Totally fine. I What's just, your favorite ice cream, Emily? I like um, Ben and Jerry's, the New York, the New York one. You like complicated ice cream. I do. I like stuff in my ice cream. Like, listen, soft serve vanilla, excellent, all by itself. But just like dishing out a bowl of vanilla ice cream. Okay. <laughs> wow. So we're coming for me again. Um. Okay, my favorite Ben and Jerry's is everything but the that one just vanilla good. ice cream mix. But I just like stuff. I like the stuff in my okay, ice cream. My ideal ice cream is you would get this at a soft serve place is vanilla with chocolate chips and peanuts. Not tin roof sundae. Because my dad was like, tell me about your dream ice cream. I explained this. And he's like, oh, it's tin roof sundae. I'll get you some of that. And I'm like, no, no, that's chocolate dipped peanuts. And there's a chocolate swirl in there. I want the little crunchy peanuts that you get at the Sunday place. Store. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I like little chocolate chips. They get frozen and crunchy in the ice cream. And until somebody starts making vanilla ice cream with peanuts and chocolate chips in it, then that then my favorite ice cream is vanilla. We would go to buffets rarely as a treat. Uh, mm-hmm. Sweet tomato, which is out of business now. Mm-hmm. And I would just get bowl after bowl of soft serve vanilla with chocolate chips and peanuts on it. At DreamWorks, I could have it all the time too because they had a little ice cream bar. And so I got a lot of... I had a lot of that when I worked at DreamWorks. The good old days. The good old days when we could go to the office <laughs> instead of working from the comfort of our homes. <laughs> I miss the DreamWorks ice cream. Sorry. Sorry. Maybe one day. Liz's uh, focus is clearly on Max and Kyle, and Isabel is just fed up with her, and she's like, go take them a bottle of ketchup or something. And Liz thinks about it for like half a second and jumps right up and is like, how's it going, guys? I brought you ketchup. <laughs> she should have brought them to basket. Doesn't she know anything about her boyfriend? Right. He's not her boyfriend, though. <laughs> Just kiss. <laughs> um, the thing oh, that- yeah. Um, Kyle's like, I'm glad you're here. I wanted to ask him this question. Have you ever been in love? Oh, yeah. And Max is looking down and he says, no. <laughs> and it really hurts Liz's feelings. And I'm like, Liz, you're supposed to be staying away from each other. He's trying to cover for you. Say what I am. Say it out loud. A Jonas brother. <laughs> All right. So Maria is trying to pull these answers out of Michael, who is being very uncooperative. And clearly lying. Clearly making up a lot of these answers. Why are you um, so mean to me about vanilla ice cream? <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. Listen, she hit me I did. the recording way of games. And I'm going to apologize for it for a long time. But listen, no, no, we can't talk about it because I'm going to get mad again. I emotionally struck you first. So go listen to the Way of Kings podcast, guys, and you'll get to see it or listen to it, whatever. Maria is dropping stuff off for her mom. She goes over. She has to get cash on delivery first before she's going to deliver this thing. Michael, in the meantime, gets out of the car, jumps into the passenger seat. Give me your phone. No, I'm looking up who Elle McPherson is. It's for the podcast. 
um, and tries to steal her car. Maria jumps in front of it. She runs in front of it and is like, absolutely not. Um, and she's basically like, this is my mom's car. If anything happens to it, I'm dead. So I'm staying with the car. And Michael's like, whatever. And drives away. And Michael, Maria goes, you're kidnapping me. <gasps> no, you're abducting me. <laughs> she's getting abducted by an alien. Abducted. I thought that was really funny. So, And then Maria does the smart thing. So in this series... They have cell phones. Yeah. Um, giving your character cell phones gives them an easy out. Yes. So instead of making them solve a mystery, they're able to pick up the phone and either Google something or have somebody else call. Um, but you think about the early seasons of Buffy and how they didn't have cell phones and how that changed a lot of things that a lot of problems would have been solved faster if you could call and find someone or whatever. And if you think about the early seasons of our own lives when we did not have cell phones. Um, so our dad bought cell phones. We were in high school, I think. You were in high school. I was in high school. Well, I didn't get one. The two oldest You got. didn't. Yeah. We got the hand-me-downs. And they, were, they weren't the flip phones or anything. They were just like the Nokia solid the Nokia bricks. Solid bricks. Um, another sister, not me, not Megan, lost one of the phones. Didn't tell our parents... And that next month, apparently someone had taken it and run up like $100 worth of <gasps> phone calls and texts and things like Scandalous. that. Which mom and dad could have canceled, but she didn't tell them about it. And so, uh, yeah. Oops. Oops. And that was back in, okay, I'm going to say back in the day. I don't mean it like that. But like back in the early days of cell phones where you could only. This was, yeah, this was the early 2000s. This is the early 2000s. Um, you had to pay for all your texts. They cost like 10 to 25 cents a text. I remember. So when I finally did first get a cell phone, it was in college. And I was on the family plan and you had to pay per text. Well, one month, dad finally upgraded the plan so the family phones we had unlimited texting and we were all home for family dinner one night and dad's like i'm gonna read you all the phone bill and my dad opens the bill he's like i have something to read to you all and he goes through how much everyone's texted that month and he's like you know mom 57 me 63 you know uh this sister this many this sister this many <laughs> Megan, twelve hundred and thirty-seven <laughs> texts, and he's like, "Who are you talking to?" And I'm like, "Well, a new chapter of Bleach comes out every week, Dad, and I have to text all my friends about it." And he's like, "Twelve hundred, and I'm like, "I was showing restraint before, but you didn't get charged, did you?" And he's like, "No," and I'm like, "Okay." So it was important to me. So just cell phones, giving your character cell phones, you can either make things really easy and like kind of, you know, they don't have to work for things so hard. Or you can use it in very clever ways like how Maria does where she has turned her cell phone on and it's on and she is talking to Michael but kind of using this to give Liz an idea of where they are. Right. So she's like, it's kind of weird to be in a car alone with you, Michael. We don't know where we're going. South on 285. <laughs> and so she's given all the clues, and um, which I think was really, really smart. Um, 
Unfortunately, Michael catches on, throws the Pretty window. quickly because uh, <laughs> Maria's acting. I mean, the actual actress's acting is fantastic. So Maria herself is definitely overacting the situation. <laughs> so they realize Michael has abducted <laughs> Maria. So they go after him. In the Jeep. In the Jeep. But, okay, the thing is, is that Isabel's just like, he's found a car. And Max is like, what? Oh, no. And Max is ready to go. And then Liz is like, if Maria's involved, I'm coming too. And Max is all, Maria's involved? (laughs) They don't have a great, this group doesn't have a great track record in giving all the information everybody Mm -hmm. needs. Anyway, there's a Phoebe agent watching them from across the road. Very clean cut. Suit. Uh, he's told to follow them, so he pulls Who them. told him? <gasps> Topolsky. He's on the on his own cell phone. He was told Polsky <laughs> to follow them. <laughs> so they take off. And oh, and then Kyle also huffily, like, tries to stop them to be like, where are you going? What's going on? Yeah. So Kyle has a lot of feelings this round. Yeah. Uh, so our road trip starts off with some tension. A little bit. And not only that, so, like, Liz is calling her mom on the cell phone to, you know, do the total, oh, I met Maria studying. If you need to get a hold of me, mom, call me on the cell phone. (laughs) And then Isabel's like, oh, what's this? The perfect Liz Parker lying to her mother? And then Liz just shoots back instantly. At least she knows what species I am. (laughs) It was like, like, Elizabeth! (laughs) So... Max is just like, hey guys, we're just going to find him and we're going to bring him home. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it, you know. And Meanwhile, the the M&M car, which M&M this time stands for Michael and Maria. <laughs> Last episode, M&M was Max and Michael, but this time <laughs> it's Michael and Maria. And she's like, don't go over 80. The engine can't handle it. Well, he goes a bit over 80 because what goes happens? 94 miles an hour and they get pulled over. And Michael just knows this is the end of the line. He's like, fine, tell him I kidnapped you. What's one more arrest on my record? And he is really upset. Um, and Because he won't tell Maria where they're going. And so she's like, you have 20 seconds to convince me. He, he lays it all out. They're very He's very honest, which I, I appreciated. He didn't try and, you know, lie to her. And But he's just like, this is my chance to find out where I come from. And if someone else gets there before me... I might not ever get another chance. So Maria lies to the cop. Tells him the reason they're speeding is because she has to pee really bad. And the cop just gives them a warning ticket and like directs them to the nearest restroom. And yay! Yay! It worked! It worked! Okay, when she's telling this lie, Michael looks (laughs) so impressed. Michael's face is the best. He's just like... Oh my gosh, not only is she lying for me, but she's doing, she's doing like a really good job. <laughs> like, it goes from shock to impressed to even like a little bit like passionate. He's like, I can't believe that. That was amazing. <laughs> um, but he does, he does have to give his license to the police officer who writes it down with the, with the speeding citation. So that might come up And we found out from Roswell, New Mexico, they're going to Marathon, Texas. That's, oh, yeah. That's the place that they found out where this, this dome is. <laughs> we checked how far it was. It is four and a half hours. Yeah, it's like 270 miles. Yeah. And Emily and I looked at that. We're both like, oh, that's not bad. 
<laughs> because we do, like, we'll drive from, you know, middle of Utah down to Vegas. Or, like, I live in California now, so I take the drive from California to Utah in a day. And it's, like, nine hours of driving. And I'm like, oh, far, that, that's nothing. That's nothing. So, yeah. What's the farthest you've ever gone on a road trip? Not besides our family cross country. <laughs> so it's like, so our family drove from Baton Rouge to Nauvoo, Illinois, to Salt Lake City one time. Yeah, it was a long. It was a whole summer thing. But I'm trying to think, maybe Colorado when we went to see Terry Pratchett. Oh, okay, that was a pretty long one. So I drove from Utah to Florida. Oh, that's right, multiple times, twice, wow. and then back. Um, and I drove. I guess I haven't gone from California to Florida. Oh yeah. my gosh, that'd be so long. But our trip to California was my first big road trip without the parents. Mm. Um, let's see. The sheriff uh, is picking up on clues that not all oh. is well. <laughs> so Kyle's moping about the house and the sheriff comes home. And uh, he starts off in dad mode, you know, being like, What's up, buddy? Anything you want to talk about? It's like, he clearly has a good father-son relationship. But then Kyle mentions Max Evans. And you see the sheriff's warning antenna just go, (laughs) and Max is like, oh, yeah, he and Liz, like, they just drove off with Isabella at the crash town. And the sheriff's like, where are they going? (laughs) And so instead of saying to, um, instead of staying to talk through the emotional issues with his son, the sheriff gets up and goes right back to the office. And Kyle's like, I thought I thought you just finished work. And sheriff's like, oh, don't worry about it. He's like, what do you know about Max Evans? Uh, stay out of this, Kyle. Dad, what do you know? And he's like, we'll talk about this later, son. And just leaves. What exactly is the function of a rubber duck? So poor Kyle. He wants some answers. Yep. But the, he's not getting any. No, he hasn't. The Jeep uh, stops the at a Jeep. gas station. We're back to the Jeep. Uh, Liz tries to be nice to Isabel and brings her, I'm assuming, hot chocolate or coffee. I, I would assume coffee. And um, Isabel spins around when she hears her name and Liz spills on her and Isabel. Burns. Third degree burns, for <laughs> sure. And she's like, I was just trying to help. And Isabel's like, don't. <laughs> and Isabel molecular magics her outfit. But then just, like, leaves Liz's sweater. (laughs) But the two of them, because, you know, we started this road trip with some tension between us, and basically both of them are worried about Max. Yeah. Because Isabel is, Liz says, I'm not going to take him away from you, but there's stuff you guys might find, the answers you may have, are you going to take him away from me? (sighs) And it's a nice and a sincere scene, and I... Ruined it by yelling, he's not a piece of meat! <laughs> um, but when when Isabel cleans up her shirt, Liz is like, that's why you, you always look so perfect. Uh, you're like the the L. McPherson of our sophomore class. Who's L. McPherson? I don't know. Hold I on. tried to look it up on my phone, but Emily's like, I no took it away phone during the podcast! She's an Australian model. Okay. So she... Uh, was nicknamed The Body by Time Magazine in 1989. Okay. Well, there you go. And that leads us to one of the questions is, who do you envy? Mm-hmm. And 
Isabel doesn't envy anybody. Well, Isabel says she doesn't, but I bet, you know. Yeah. I bet she envies Liz. To be normal. Like, it's very interesting that Isabel's gorgeous and all these things, but she doesn't know where she comes from. She's keeping this huge secret from her parents, her adopted parents that love her. Um, And I would think that sometimes she would envy Liz for having a normal life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, oh, like when it's a story thing of like, well, I'm not happy with my life and I wish I was this. Do you know what's terrible? Being rich and popular. Yes. <laughs> but I like the way they, they did it here because like it's just so understated that it's it's not something that ruins Isabel's life and she thinks about it constantly. But you can tell every so often that she probably does wish that. She was normal. And so can I go on a tangent about Twitter? Always. There's a screenwriter I follow, but I don't remember who it was. I'm so sorry. If you hear this. At you. At me, and I will, <laughs> I'll lay claim to it. But they're like, yeah, I had to explain to someone. I had to explain to a guy in one of my screenwriting classes what subtext was. Mm. Because I'm like, everything you say, the characters just say exactly what they're feeling and describe exactly what's happening, and there's no subtext to your scenes. And he's like, and it's what a character says and what a character means can be something very different um okay back when i was in college (laughs) my freshman year of college we had so our apartment of all girls were friends with this apartment of all guys and we had them over several times for tutoring night not for homework we would watch chick flicks we would watch like pride and prejudice and hitch and like rom-coms and stuff and then we would pause it on the actresses' faces during, like, argument and confrontation scenes. And we'd be, we would coach these boys to be like, she's saying this? Her body language is saying this. <laughs> and it was just so funny that these guys had no clue about the, like, different levels of communication, about, like, nonverbal communication clues. Yeah. Well done. Good job. Yeah. I think you made their lives better. Uh, I think they're just over because they had crushes on some of my other roommates. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the scene with Liz and Isabel ends nicely because Isabel takes care of the spills on Liz's sweater, so which is really nice. Mm-hmm. But it's broken when Max comes out and realizes that they're Fibby. being tailed. Yeah. Yeah. The um, Fibby guy he saw outside the... Crashdown Cafe. Yeah. Is there at this gas station. So Max very surreptitiously walks by and like... Molecularly sucks the air out of the yeah, tires. like doesn't pop them, but the guy now has two flat tires and he can't... He can't follow them. And so, good job, Max. Good, good thinking. So they have a little win and then Maria... And Michael... Have a big L. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The car breaks down. Car breaks down. And Maria's just like, well, go use your alien powers on it. Duh. And I'm screaming, he can't! (laughs) (laughs) And and Michael's like, I can't. I'm not not very good at him. Mm -hmm. And Maria's just kind of like, get out there and do something. (laughs) So he does. He sets the car battery on fire. (laughs) But it's, it's played... So solemnly. It was very funny because, um, so we're seeing, it's filmed mostly from Maria's point of view inside basically the cabin of the car. And so through the front window, we see Michael open up the hood and we see him pass his hand 
over the over the interior engine of the car and it completely bursts into flames <laughs> and there's just silence while he and maria look at each other and then he just slams the hood shut and plops back down inside the car because <laughs> he's gonna spend the night in the car Oh, and the box that Maria was supposed to deliver is still there. And he gets mad and starts, like, kicking it and pushing it. And, and she's like, be careful with that. It's very sensitive. I'm like, what is sensitive about it? <laughs> it's a it's a blow-up alien that, like, auto-inflated. <laughs> this big alien head just pops out. And he just looks at her and she's like, oh, my mom makes that. <laughs> but luckily, by sheer coincidence... Within eyesight down the abandoned road. The car has uh, shut down outside of a hotel. Motel. And so they're going to go spend the night, apparently, in the hotel so they don't have to sleep in the car. Um, and we flash back to the Jeep where um, Liz, Liz is getting a phone call. And there's no caller ID on the cell phone, which I'm just like, well... It says who it is. It doesn't say who it is. And they're like, don't answer it. And she's she's like, like, what if it's my mom? Yeah, because she's got to keep up the charade Mm -hmm. that she's, you know, at Maria's house. But it's not her mom. Who is it? It's Kyle. It's her ex-boyfriend. And so he is, I think he's figured out the ruse because she's, he's, you know, obviously called her house and Maria's house and, and she's like, he's just like, oh, I want to give you your book back that we accidentally swapped and. She's like, I'll see you tomorrow at school. Do it at school. Don't come to my house. And he's like, okay. And he hangs up and he's like, I might be there sooner than you think. And he's in his car and he pulls out onto South 285 and is following them. Yep. So you got another player here. It's the super duper road trip movie. (laughs) The caravan. Everyone's just following it. Uh, So Valenti, the sheriff, is trying to track down the jeep with isabel max and liz inside and uh the person he's talking to is like oh well we don't have anything like that but we have a speeding citation for another minor from roswell and talking about the car that they're in and stuff and so valenti goes over and i got really excited here because we had a very close-up image of the map and his finger pointing at roswell (laughs) it's like it was like I was somebody watching a sports play because I was like, trace the route they're taking. And the sheriff's finger traces the route, the road of 285 South all the way down to Marathon, Texas. And I go, tap it. Tap the map. Tap the map. And he double tapped her with his finger. And I was like, yeah! That's a... If you guys are Lord of the Rings fans and if you watch the extended edition, they have a couple map shots like that where it's not even the actor's hands. There's an insert shot where Peter Jackson has filmed his hand going down the map, pointing like, we're here. We go to the next spot and then they tap it twice so like the audience can visualize where they're going. Um, And so um, he knows that they're going to Marathon because of the stolen, stolen, the printed off papers. papers. Yeah. so, uh, Michael and Maria walk into their motel room. Their at the Sultan's, Sultan's Hideaway Motel. Everything is draped in red velvet with, like, a heart-shaped tub and a heart-shaped bed. And, like, it's one of those <gasps> hotels. How many beds are there, Emily? There's exactly one bed. There's only one bed. 
like clearly something is supposed to happen in rooms like this, you know, and uh, <laughs> and, and Michael kind of gives Maria a hard time about like, if you weren't such a princess about this, <laughs> she's like, I'm cold and I'm hungry and I'm in some nookie motel and Megan are like, nookie motel. <laughs> and I realize it's not like, I'm like, oh, does nookie mean like dingy or dusty? No, no, no. It's a hotel for nookie. Nookie. Nookie-ing. Nooking. <laughs> um, so Michael kind of takes pity on her and he's like, oh, I'm going to go. You'll go to the vending machine. Yeah. I, I wonder if he's as good at vending machines as um, <laughs> Michael. As or Michael. As Max. Max. Uh, meantime, the Jeep, uh, they come up against a roadblock. Mm-hmm. There's an 18-wheeler that's jackknifed on the highway and, and they're going to be stuck there. So they, at this time, think, oh my gosh, there's no way. There's no way we're going to catch up with Michael and Maria. Not knowing that they are stopped at the Sultan's Hideaway Motel. <laughs> so, uh, Michael brings in all this food and Maria's like, so you get, you get hungry? He's like, yes, of course I get hungry. And she's like, what other urges do you feel? Yeah. Urges is the word she Urges. Used. He glances back at the bed and then he steps in really close to Maria and says... Not if you were the last human on Earth. <laughs> and they, they both, like, get a funny moment out of that. Um, he has pocket Tabasco, apparently. He has pocket Tabasco. So he's eating a Mars bars covered in Tabasco sauce. Chocolate and Tabasco. That's just as gross as mint ice cream on pizza. <laughs> um, but he, he takes pity on Maria and he's like, okay, I'll answer some of your questions honestly. So his favorite ice cream is pistachio. His favorite TV show is... Win Ben Stein's Money, which I'm I guess not it's like a game with. show. Yeah. And then his favorite book is Ulysses by James Joyce. And Megan told me. I just turned to Emily and I'm like, I know why he likes Ulysses. It's the story of a man who's been stranded far from home and the years and years and years it takes him to get back. I like that. I like them showing this hidden depth of Michael because. I'm gonna wax wax on for a minute, but like Michael has hidden depths. He's artistic. He caring. has a kind and caring side that gets really overshadowed by his really awful life and what people expect him to be. And he's not like a sensitive soul. I don't mean it like that, but like not that that's a bad thing. But um, he just doesn't let people really see who he is because. It's easier to hide that way, I feel. Mm -hmm. Um, And a huge contributor to talent is opportunity and time. mm -hmm. Like, obviously, his foster dad doesn't take good care of him. And so literally, a lot of Michael's spare time goes into survival. It's like getting the stuff he needs to be okay. Like, making sure he has what he needs for school and, like... He has to spend so much time taking care of himself that he doesn't have the opportunity for, like, I'm just going to say, like, relaxation, depth, and growth that Isabel and Max have from being adopted by a very, like, a very wealthy family. Mm-hmm. That's a really good insight. Yeah. The reason he doesn't have as great of powers as the other two well, clearly powers are tied into emotions, as we see from an emotional moment <laughs> later. And, like, he lives an emotionally fraught life. 
And a lot of the times when we see him use his, like, try to use his powers and fail is in, like, a very, I just feel so bad for Michael. And I don't know why Isabel and Max keep treating him like he's a burden. And I'm like, do you not realize that, like, you got, like, it was sheer chance that you got rich adopted and then he got put into a bad foster situation? It's really good. So, yeah, like, I I enjoyed this quiet moment because I feel like sometimes authors or writers think that everything needs to be jam-packed of action, 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 action. And this show does not have a lot of action. <laughs> well, I'm just saying they, they do a really good job of, of insinuating stuff like that where, like, Michael does have these hidden depths, but we would never have found out about them unless they had this school assignment. So they've set this episode up very well with really good payoffs mm-hmm. to help us understand the characters better yeah. because we know they want answers, but then we even get something deeper and we get this Maria and Michael moment where... Um, he makes some comment about how he just knows there's got to be things out there besides Roswell, New Mexico. And Maria kind of opens up. Yeah, she smiled a little bit and she... He thinks she's making fun of him for a second. And mm-hmm. she's like, no, no, let me explain. Yeah, and so she explains that, you know, growing up, her dad wasn't around and um, she would imagine all these scenarios where the dad would come back in a limo and take her and her mom away to live like royalty and you know that she would get out of Roswell New Mexico as well and they realize they have this thing in common and oh it was just so well done mm -hmm, because Michael says replace limo with spaceship and that's exactly like what it is for me yeah yeah and so it was just a really sweet tender moment Mm -hmm. I will say I think this is structured much better than the journal episode yeah this is way better than the journal and the button on the scene which is pretty cute is he looks at the bed and he's like well i don't i don't suppose we could share the bed and she stands up and says not even if you were the last alien on earth (laughs) calling back to how he razzed her earlier yeah uh so we're at the roadblock and isabel's out of the car flirting with the policeman is that what she's doing yeah um and then max and liz have another conversation about feelings so this romantic scene is liz is saying i know we agreed to stay away from each other and then i scream i didn't agree to that (laughs) there was no kissing involved no one's (laughs) kissed yet i realized that this show there was an almost kiss in the first episode but nobody's kissed yet there's a moment so the the cover is up on the jeep but this they have like this really tough canvas cover they can pull up over the frame and there's a moment where they lean in together and you can tell from like liz's eyes that she thinks oh my gosh this is it but max just reaches up to the ceiling and uses his molecular powers to like fix a rip and at first she's like Oh, man, I 100% misread that. And then he just looks at her and says, I didn't want you to be cold. And I'm like, listen, in shows like this, I gotta say, there's no draw to the will they won't they for me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, they will. Like, (laughs) that's the point of the show. And I wish, so there's like a balance because, all right, here we go. Bones. (laughs) They don't will they until... Season six, spoilers for Bones. It takes them six seasons to get together. And then they like 
skip all of it and you jump like nine months down the road into their relationship. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I waited six years. I would like a little more of that. But then on the other side of it, you have Vampire Diaries. And Stefan and Elena are together together like three or four episodes in. And then they get really boring for like 10 episodes. <laughs> except for when Stephen goes, sorry, Stefan goes off on a bloodbender. So I'm trying to think of a show that has like a good balance. Can you think of one? I mean, for people that are already together, there's Firefly. I love Zoe and Walsh. Zoe and Wash. I love Zoe and Wash because they're like this very strong, established couple that you don't see a lot of times in in TV because it is all based on will they, won't they? Yeah. Oh, they're together. We're really bored. Let's break them up. I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. Lost. I'm looking at you. You're dumb. Kate and Jack and Sawyer triangle of it was it was not fun after a while. It just yeah. not fun. So my my answer is no, I can't think of one. Do you know what? I Okay. The example I'm going to use is Friends. I know. I know. But it's also from the 90s. I like Chandler and Monica. Yes. Because for the big opening half of the series, I don't know what season they get together in, but they were just, like, they were friends. It wasn't a how I met your mother sort of deal. (laughs) But, like, obviously when the show started, these two characters weren't intended for each other, but, like... Their relationship eventually grew to the point where it made perfect sense for this to happen. So I guess, do you know what? That's what I like is if you set up a will they, won't they from the beginning, you know they will. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but if, you know, you start with completely unrelated characters and if you let your characters grow and change and develop as the show goes by, I think that's what's satisfying. A show that did it really badly is Supernatural. Because <laughs> people who listen to this podcast know. <laughs> hey, writers, let your characters grow and change. Don't keep them in holding patterns until they trip the plot switch that makes them kiss. Yeah. I do really like Bones, though. <laughs> it is a good It is a good one. So we've got a, a romantically fraught moment moment and i think i said because once they started leaning in i'm like all right when does isabel show up to break up this moment (laughs) she shows up almost instantly to be like hey there's a roadblock yeah but so this this traffic accident that stopped all traffic on the highway do you know what stretch of highway it just happened (gasps) to stop them at you know what it was a miracle because that happened to stop them exactly in front of the sultan's hideaway right in front of Maria's broken down car. Which is parked in front of... Is that a very fake tree? No, I think that's a... Oh, I misread it. I thought it was like a, yeah. a big a big chunk. But yeah. Uh, they just happen to be in front of the motel. So Isabel gets to use her powers. She unlocks the, the keychain and scares Maria, who's on the bed. Michael's on the floor. Scares Maria, who jumps out of bed, trips over Michael, and lands right on top of him and so, so when a, they flip the lights on it looks like a dangerous liaison <laughs> which is great and then, uh liz and max clearly believed that nookie was happening <laughs> and and you know maria's very flustered and michael's like come on honey we don't have to lie 
And then Isabel clearly, like, knows what's going on and stuff. <laughs> and we have a satisfying scene. I couldn't believe it. The aliens all sit down. Liz and Maria are like, we're in this together. And everybody lays the cards out on the table. And we talk about what's going on, what the stakes are. Here's what we found out. Michael broke into the sheriff's office. We learned about this. We're headed out to Marathon, Texas because we found this in a book. And then the scene gets interrupted. Kyle shows up. He has also found them. And he is determined to take Liz home away from all this. Not Maria. (laughs) He's like, forget Maria. (laughs) But he's here to take Liz away. And... And it's a sad moment because you can tell he still cares about her. Yeah. It didn't come across as too overbearing. Yeah, or... it wasn't like White Knight or whatever. But, yeah. But, you know, he and Liz have been friends their whole lives, like, before this happened. So mm-hmm. they have a personal connection beyond the dating mm-hmm. stuff. And so he's honestly there because he's like, I don't... I mean, he's probably thinking, you know, I mean, what are what are five teenagers in the middle of the night doing at a hotel? You know, drugs or whatever. And, yeah. And so he's with a with a known criminal. Yeah. <laughs> Michael's got a record. <laughs> so Liz straight up tells him, We're not together. Go away. You don't belong here, you Kyle. You don't belong here, Kyle. She white fangs him. <laughs> Get out of here. Go. <laughs> Tensions are high. Tensions are high. Not punches are thrown, but um But Kyle is thrown. Michael throws him clear across the room, clearly in like that shouldn't be possible sort of a way. And Kyle is scared. Yeah. And that's when Liz like builds on that and is like, get out of here. Go. And so he does. He's just like, oh, he says, I don't know what I ever saw in you. And he leaves. He's really hurt, which I don't blame him. <laughs> it's sad to watch Kyle be shoved down the path of evil. <laughs> because no one is... Well, because he doesn't have a proper outlet for his feelings. Yeah. Uh, but the teens, the five teens, take the Jeep, and they go out to the geodesic dome. And they find it. They it's do. It's just, like, in this big old valley. They off-road, which was what Megan wanted them to do the whole oh, time. Oh, yeah. When they were stuck behind the traffic, I was like, your Jeep goes off-road. <laughs> um, although, guys, do not drive off-road. So, one time, like, two Christmases ago... I'm driving from Utah to California, and there is a big snowstorm. And, of course, there's a... We're backed up outside of Vegas. There's a, there's a traffic jam. And there are all these cars that had tried to... Idiots. Leave the road and, like, drive in the desert and then get back. I don't know. They're like, I'm too special to sit in a traffic jam. And there was no small amount of perverse pleasure in my heart seeing multiple cars, noses down in a ditch, or, like, stranded high over a rock. There were, like, four different cars. And I'm like, serves you right. (laughs) There are few things for me more frustrating than um, being in traffic in a car wreck, like, waiting for something to clear and have someone, like, pull over the side and try and get around them like that. Um, One time we are driving back from Vegas, and... The traffic was horrendous. We were getting ready to go through the canyon in Arizona. And they're doing construction there anyway. So we're down to basically one two lane. very tiny yeah. to one lane. Um, we were at a standstill for like 
25 minutes just inching our way. And I'm like, if traffic's gonna be this bad through the canyon, it's gonna take us an extra four hours to get back from Vegas. Turns out what had happened is someone was clearly impatient and had tried to go around and their car was now like up at an angle, stuck up on the cement barrier, like at a 45 degree angle, which caused everyone to go down to like half a lane trying to get around this person and all the emergency crews. I'm just like, <laughs> driving stresses me out. Yeah. So. But we make it here and there's only five minutes left of the episode, which I didn't know. I thought it was going to be, okay, listen, the show so far has been very self-contained in each episode. So they get to this house and I thought for sure it was going to end with we're going to meet Atherton or we're going to meet whoever's out here and there'll be, and and we just have a conversation and, and it would be kind of another dead end for us. The key that Michael has doesn't fit in the door. So Max has to use his powers to unlock it. Uh, the doorknob is so big. Doorknob is like the size of a saucer. Like a, a flying a saucer. Flying saucer. <laughs> um, but Max is like, don't give up with the key. And I thought this was good because I feel they could have very easily been like, oh my gosh, Michael, you were wrong. You were wrong the whole time. Max is like, maybe it unlocks something inside. Yeah, like they're there. They're going to see this through as a, as a group. But we go inside the dome. The dome's connected to the house. We're, like, looking around. So they're they're wandering about. The The place has been trashed upside down. There's really not... It's clearly abandoned. I yeah. mean, like... Rotting furniture. Yeah. And so they're walking through this very strange, very strange house. And looking everywhere. And there's, you know, rotting furniture and, and empty file cabinets. And so everyone's looking around for stuff. Isabel suggests to Michael to try holding the key again. Because Michael is really upset. Like, you can tell he's just devastated that he's pinned all his hopes and dreams on this and nothing's happening. And so he holds the key and nothing happens. And then Maria steps forward and she says, try it again. And I'm like, okay, these two are going to end up together. We've got the power of love. Actually, I think what I actually said was, oh, did Maria have powers the whole time? But she walks over to Michael and she's like, try it again. Listen, and they trade significant eye. Oh, sorry. I'm being cynical about you're something. You're being cynical else. again. Okay. Listen, it's a really sweet scene, you guys. It is. Because nobody, like, Michael has a hard life, okay? And he's getting one person who's believing in him. I mean, everyone, you know, is there supporting him or whatever. But to have, like... Maria there, even though they're not, like, friend friends, they clearly have a connection now. Mm -hmm. But she's like, no, like, she's, she's like, you can do it. She doesn't say that, but it's very clearly, like, try it again. Like, she clearly believes he's capable of doing this. And he does. And he's like, there's a hidden room. And I'm like, that's what I said. Back to my escape room. Megan, this whole time, has been, like, uh, use your powers, find the door. And I'm like, no, they have to obey the sacred pact. <laughs> <laughs> the key, they're, they're looking around. Michael finds a keyhole in the wall. And it, it fits the key. And poof, a door opens in the floor. Like so a trap like, door springs up. And they all climb down to the cellar and they, 
they're like, jackpot, there's all this stuff here. And just they start to look around, they hear the clip-clop of some high-heeled boots. Little sheriff boots. Little sheriff boots, clumpty-clumpty-clump. And Sheriff Valenti has followed them here. And they can, uh, we're getting really great textured lighting from the floorboards up above. And Sheriff Valenti is walking around above them. And they're like, oh my gosh, the the sheriff's here. What are we going to do? And then, bam, sheriff gets kicked in the head from behind by none other than special guest star Julie Benz, Mrs. Topolsky. And I was like, ah! <laughs> and then it said, to be continued. And I was like, ah! <laughs> Because it's been a bunch of self-contained episodes so far. So, like, we end on the frightened faces of the five huddled teenagers when does alex get to hang out i wonder he's listed in the credits as a main character i wonder when that might happen he never gets to hang out with them interesting anyway um so yeah i think this has been my favorite episode so far like i love the first episode so much and then the next ones that kind of fill in are good but you don't get a lot yeah of a lot of plot. I think it's a lot of setup. So you kind of have to get through the first few episodes understanding that it's building up to a, obviously, duh, a bigger story. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of self-explanatory, but whatever. So yeah, I really, I really, I've forgotten about this. And just think, if it was back in the day, you'd have to wait a whole week before the next one came out. Um, I have to wait a whole week before this one comes out. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, it's Christmas and your book is due. So, Emily, what happens next? Well, I want you to guess. Let me let me find out the name of the next um, episode. Okay. Oh, listeners, I got her. She uh, she sent me a summary of the last episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I open it up my phone and I start reading it and I look at her and I go, "This isn't the episode we watched." Emily just goes, what? (laughs) She's so mean. All right. So the next episode we're going to watch is season one, episode seven called River Dog. Uh, That's a code word. All right. It's a code name for something uh, from the original investigation back in 50 whatever. I think what's immediately going to happen next episode is Topolsky and her goons are going to sweep the house and not find anything. Um, and the sheriff will be there. And I I bet they're not going to find the basement. Oh, man, I hope they don't find the basement. I'm imagining, like, if they have wheel, wheel, wee <laughs> type of, you know, machinery and stuff that we can use our molecular powers to thwart them. Um, yeah, we haven't had new powers lately. I know. <laughs> uh... We just have Michael set the car on fire powers. Uh, I think we're going to meet Atherton. All right. And, I'm writing all this down. And I think the reason Atherton's book is so boring is it's encoded. Ooh. Boring book because encoded. Perfect. It's a cipher. Nice. Oh, because, sorry, we forgot to mention this. Mr. Polsky sends a, a message. A message. And she encodes it. I don't think it was to the FBI. You don't think so? No, it said dissension among the ranks. They're starting to argue. I'm going to keep going. I don't... And she pushes the button and all these weird symbols show up. Yeah. And then she sends it. So, I... Topolsky might still be an alien. 
All right. And she's using the, what do you call it? The investigation? Um, sort of. The in, not the inventory of the FBI. The assets? Yeah, I guess. It's like all the things and the stuff they have to their name. Oh, no. <laughs> She's using basically what she gets from the FBI to track down her alien... Nephews? <laughs> nieces? <laughs> Nephews and nieces. What is the word I'm looking for? <laughs> so she's using the influence of the FBI to get, uh, to get to her own ends. Okay. Those are good guesses. You do a good job. Thanks. You're welcome. But... It's that time. We got to get back to the things that we got to get back to. Like writing my book. I got to get back to storyboarding. Guess what? Mm. I super believe in you. <gasps> I super believe in you too. Ready? Break. Why did you hit me again? I didn't. <laughs> that was a high five. Slander. Slander. Thanks again for listening to My Sister Made Me View It. We'll see you here again on the next episode because you guys can't stop us. Can't stop me now. We'll be here again. But between episodes, come check us out at Twitter, Instagram, or email us at our Gmail account, Sis Made Me View It. All one word, no spaces, nothing fancy like that. Um, and come check out all our cute pet pictures and all the dumb stuff that we do between our episodes and the shenanigans we get up to because... I don't know. You guys might like it. We just put it up for fun. Oh, if you also have time, why don't you swing by iTunes? Give us a review. Give us a little uh, edge on our competition and let us know what you think because we're interested because you guys are our listeners. We just do this for fun, but we really hope that you have fun too. Also, before I leave, special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. Anyways, I hope you guys have a great week. I can't wait to see you here next time. So until then, have a great time. We believe in you. Bye.